Father, we thank you this morning for the power of your grace. Father, I thank you this morning, Lord, that you've given me the privilege to stand before your people. And I pray, Father, that none of me and all of you, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to every heart. Lord, you know the need of every person here this morning. You know our struggles. You know the challenges that we're dealing with. Father, you understand it all. And I pray this morning, Lord God, that as I speak, that, Lord God, that you would take my mouth and take my voice and take my lips and take my tongue, Lord, and speak that which you have ordained before the foundations of the earth. For, Father God, I thank you, Lord God, for what you're going to do in and through us this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, take them and turn with me to 1 John chapter number 4. The Gospel of 1 John, chapter number 4, uh, we had began a series back a couple of weeks ago, a series dealing with principles, and I am a firm believer in principles, principles that we believe that if you adapt in your life and begin to apply these principles, they will help you tremendously in your walk with God. And so this morning, uh, we're going to ask the Lord to speak to us as we talk about the principle of love. The principle of love. Are you there in 1 John chapter number 4? Amen. I got one amen, so we'll just move right along. Verse number 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. For God is love is love. And this, the love of God, was manifest toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. As we show that video, and I think it kind of highlights uh, what we notice today, and that is everybody is looking for love and acceptance. How many of you would agree with that? On some form or some scale of life, we all want to feel valued, and we're all kind of looking for that sense of, of, uh, you know, of importance in life. But the problem is that oftentimes we look in the wrong places for love. I can recall when I first got, before I came into the kingdom of God, I was seeking for love in all the wrong places. Some of you know what I'm talking about, which is sanctified self. I was seeking for love in all the, in all the wrong places, not really realizing what, that what I was really after was God himself. But I sought it. You know, I didn't seek it. But people seek it through drugs and alcohol and bad relationships and all of these things. Because they, they are trying to somehow fill a void that only God can fill. So many folks have a faulty perception of love. This thing that's kind of going around today that says, you know, it doesn't really matter what you do, what you believe, but just, just love. God loves everybody and just do whatever you want to do. Love really have no boundaries. That is what's being communicated today. In our society, it really does not matter. But I'm here to tell you, it really does matter. I don't care what they say. 
I like the scripture we just read where it says, the Bible declares that God is love. Say that with me. God is love. Let's say it again. God is love. Now listen to me when I say this. It's not that God is sitting there in heaven and he has to try to figure out, okay, this or that person really got on my nerve today, so I'm, gonna, so I'm really struggling to love this person. I mean, how many of you know what I'm talking about? I was talking to somebody last week that had a struggle like that. How am I, I, that's just struggling. Well, God doesn't have to try to manufacture love, and God doesn't try to have to work himself up to love us. The Bible says that God is love. In other words, it's love is the essence, the very nature of who God is. God is love. The very thing that people need the most is love. God is. And so the reason why so many people are misguided and misdirected is because they're trying to seek love outside of being connected with God who originated love. God is love. God doesn't have to try to act it out. God doesn't have to try to manufacture it. It is who he is by his very own nature. And if so, then if if God is love, then I mean, know that we need to go back to the one that originated love in the first place. Right. If you want to know the, the effectiveness of the thing, you need to go back to the originality of that particular thing. In other words, God is the one who originated love, so if we want to understand what real love is, then we need to go back to God. And we need to say, we need to get a revelation of who we are in God. The Bible declares that you and I were made in the image of God, right? That means that we're supposed to be like God. We're supposed to look like God. And I believe that many people today, they struggle because they don't understand who they are. You don't understand that God created you in his image. And how many know God don't, doesn't have any hang-ups about himself? Jesus put it this way, and I love this particular verse. Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength. This is the first commandment, and the second one is like unto it. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. You cannot love your neighbor until you first love yourself. Let that sink in just a little bit. Why is it that people can offend other people, do all kinds of evil and wickedness to other people? It is because, in essence, they have devalued themselves. And you and I cannot show the love of God. I cannot love my neighbor until I first understand who I am or who God made me to be. God made you to be a lover. God made you in his image. In other words, when God sees you, he was looking at himself. He created you to fellowship with him. He created you to love him and not only love him, but to love yourself and to love other people. Because if I love myself and I have a healthy perspective on myself, then I can love you. But I can't love you until I first understand who I am. And so we wonder sometimes, how can people, we hear about all these suicides, right? And, uh, uh, not suicides, but these, these folks that are killing uh, uh, their parents and, and killing relatives and husbands are shooting their wives. And we hear all, the, we see all this stuff and every time I turn around, it's one big thing after another. And if you really look down into it and have a gentleman over here to the right who will tell you that inside they weren't happy with themselves. People struggle in relationships oftentimes because they don't feel good about who they are. <laughs> so you really want to understand 
God's love, you got to get a revelation of who God made you to be. Because if you understand who God made you to be, and you can learn to love yourself now, and you can go, and you can love other people with the love of God. It's critical that we, that we understand that. And so the only way society is going to be healed, it must turn to God's love. Turn to John chapter 3, 16, the Gospel of John. Uh, many of us know this particular passage. I'm going to move through uh, a few scriptures this morning. And so I want you to bear with me. I promise you, uh, if you apply these, pr these principles and if you listen to them, you'll be blessed. So if you can keep up with me, that's great. If you can't, just listen real good. We're going to keep moving forward. But John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verse 16, is a verse that all of us are familiar with. It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, whoever believes in him should not perish, watch this, but have everlasting life. Verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I want you to think of that because we read it so often. But there's deep revelation in that. Because when you understand who Jesus was and who the glory that he had when he was with the Father, that he left all of that. Remember, we talked about God designed you. God created you to fellowship with him. I mean, no, God, it's not like God really need us. I don't know if you realize that or not. But the Bible said that God so loved the world. What was Jesus' inspiration for coming? It was love that he gave. God saw us in our sinful state. He saw us in our wretchedness. And God could have left us where we were, but he said, no, I cannot leave them there. I must go to them. And so what does he, what does God do? God sent his son, clothed himself in flesh. And he comes and he tabernacles with man. Because he loved us so much. You ever ask yourself the question, why is it that God loved us so much? I mean, we, we, we talk about the how that you know, some of us sometimes we want God's judgment to come real quick, don't we? Sometimes, if we're honest, especially on people that bother us. God judge them. God get them. The Bible said that God did not come to condemn the world, but to save the world. So God, all of his love and all of his compassion, he came and manifested himself so that he can save us. A people who wanted nothing to do with God a people that even after coming to God sometimes, we still rebel against him. We still uh, sometimes struggle in our walk with God, but yet God still loves us. That he gave, he gave. Think about it, he gave. How many of us have kids? We, <laughs> many of us, we won't, we won't sacrifice like that. We love people, but we're not giving you my kids. You got to understand the depth of God's love and grace. Think about that. I mean, and God, and Jesus was with the Father from, the, from eternity. God says, I'm going to send you my very best because I love you that much. No believer to get a revelation of the love of God for them would ever have a self-esteem issue. If you're struggling with a self-esteem issue, it's because you don't understand the full impact of the grace of God and the love that God has for you. His love. In fact, Turn with me, if you will. You, you can turn with me, or you can, I told you we're going to be moving fast. So Deuteronomy chapter number 7. But I want you to listen to this. This is Deuteronomy chapter 7. And this is the Lord talking 
uh, Moses talking to the children of Israel as they're about to enter the land of promise. He's reminding them of some things. We're talking about the love of God. For you are a holy people, verse 6 in Deuteronomy chapter 7. For you are a holy people to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you, watch this, to be a special, to be a people for himself, a special treasure. Look at your neighbor and tell them they're special. Above all the peoples on the face of the earth, watch this, the Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were in number, you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Ah, I love that verse. God, God is saying to look, God said, I didn't choose to love you because there was something that's so wonderful about you. In fact, God said about the children of Israel, he said, you are a rebellious and stiff-necked people. God said that, he says, I did not choose you because you were massive and you, and you were all great. You were all that in a bag of chips. I, I did not choose you because you had all this going on with you. But watch, he's, he's, he's going to reveal why he chose them. The Lord did not set his love on you nor choose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. Mm. You were the least of all peoples. But because the Lord loves you, and because he will keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage, from the hand of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. So God is saying to them, he's saying to us, I chose you because I just felt like it. I often wonder, I said, God, why me? Out of all the billions of people, all the billions of people on the planet, you are the chosen ones that are sitting here this morning. And you perhaps were thinking to yourself, I'm just going to go to church. No, no, you got to understand God is after you. God has been running to try to get you and bring you to his family from the day that you came out of, his womb, out of the womb. God, you did, you did not come here by accident. It is God who's drawing you here because of his great love that he has for you. And so when you drove to church this morning and I don't know what your mindset was. You need to think like this. God called me here. He gave me a heart that I can hear his voice and experience his love. The, you know, that, that word in the Greek, and, and, and looking at John chapter 3, that word uh, love is agapio, and, and, and that love is a kind of love that's unconditional, love by choice and an act of God's will. He just chose to love you. Second point about God's love. God's love is everlasting. Jeremiah, and you'll have to turn there, but just I want you to listen. Jeremiah 31.3 says this. The Lord has appeared of old to me saying, yes, watch this. I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Now, that's important to understand that. Because sometimes, if we're honest, we feel like there are certain things that we do that God don't appreciate us too much. That, 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 you know, that maybe this time I pushed the envelope with God. God, I, I, you know, maybe God, I know I keep struggling. I keep, Lord, I keep saying I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do it. And somehow I keep finding myself falling into this. And perhaps you may think to yourself, that's it. God, God got to be tired of me right now. But the Bible says that he has loved us with an everlasting love. Watch this. That means that God's love will never stop. 
In other words, there is nothing that you and I can ever do that God will one day say to you, that's enough. I'm tired of it. I, I can't take it no more. I'm done with you. No, no. He said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. In other words, the kind of love that God has for us, it never ceases. It never stops. Even when we, well, pastor, what about what I did? It doesn't matter what you did as it relates to God's love and grace. God never stopped loving you because his love is everlasting. How do you know what everlasting means? It's everlasting. It never stops. I want to read to you a passage of scripture in Romans. Like I said, if you want to roll with me, I'm going quick and fast. But I want you to hear this scripture in Romans chapter number five, verse six, because it really brings home the importance of understanding that God's love and grace never ceases. And I think we need to go back to who we were before we came to Christ. Look at verse number six. Uh, He says, for when we were still without strength, in other words, still in our sin, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. Watch this. But God demonstrates his own love toward us, watch this, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You ever heard somebody say, well, you know, I plan on getting my life together, and when I get my life together, then I'll come to church. You ever heard somebody say that? You cannot get yourself together. Only God can put you together. For the, and, and this is deep because the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, in other words, I want everybody to imagine. I want, I want you to go back because I know you don't live like that no more because you're holy to God's people, sanctified and all that, right? Go back to a time when you were in your prime time sin. Think about the worst thing that you did, the absolute worst thing that you did. Guess what? It was at that moment Christ died for you. When you were, God, listen, he didn't wait till you get it all. He didn't wait for you to get it all together and start acting right. He died for you when you were in the prime time of your sin. Talk about the love and grace of God. (laughs) If that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what else will. He says, watch this in verse 9. He says, now much more than having now been justified by his blood, We shall be saved from wrath through him. For if we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. In other words, here's what he's saying. He's saying, if I was coming after you when you you didn't want nothing to do with me, if I was chasing after you when you didn't love me, you didn't want to come to church. In fact, every time you heard them preaching on the radio, you flipped the channel. Every time a preacher come walking up to you, you didn't want to hear it. Every time somebody tried to tell you about the gospel, you didn't want to. I, I remember, even though all of that stuff was going on, Christ said, even in that moment, I still loved you and died for you when you wanted nothing to do with me. And he's saying, now that you are my son and my daughter, how much more, now that you're being a son, would I lavish my love on you? You know, which begs the, brings the point. God is never surprised about our sin. We are, aren't we? Oh, I can't believe I did that. I just lost it. Isn't it good to know that God is not up there saying, oh, 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 
I can't believe I just, oh, I can't believe. Did you see what Teresa did? Just kidding. <laughs> no, Teresa. That's having a little fun. But you know, but you know how we get sometimes. We hear about people's sin. You know how we do. Oh, and we're just like, oh, gosh. I can't. Did you hear what? And everybody always want to hear dirt, you know. Everybody want to know the dirt. People don't just want to hear about your sin. They don't want they want to hear the details so they can sit back and measure themselves up and say, well, it really ain't all that bad after all. But you've missed the point. Because all have sinned fallen short of God's glory. Ain't nobody have arrived. Some of us may be doing certain things a little bit better than another person, but but we're all in the same boat here. We're we're just trying to be more like God, and we're struggling on various levels. Are they partying in there? <laughs> Somebody flipped the TV on. Hallelujah. They're having a good time. But none of us, none of us has arrived. And so God doesn't sit in heaven and go, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. How many know that before God chose you, before the Bible, first of all, the Bible says God chose you before the foundations of the earth. So in other words, you know, get this. This is deep. That means that God considered and he knew exactly what kind of person you are what kind of person you were going to be, and what you would do after he saved you. He already knew that, and he still said, you know what, like the video, I'll take it. I'll take it. Now, you, on the other hand, you get depressed. and So the Bible says when you, confess, when you, when you, when you sin, you get up, you confess your sin, and you, you pick up, and you move on in God, right? But sometimes we like to wallow in that stuff, like, oh, God. Let me tell you something. Whenever you get in that position, God cannot use you. Because you repent of your sin, you get up and you move on with God. Because God ain't sitting back there that's just waiting to hit you across the head the minute you step out of line. He's a good God. He is a, come on, is he a good God? He's not sitting up there in heaven all surprised. God says, I knew what you kind of person you are before I saved you. That's why I saved you. Your church ain't about people that come in. People try to come. And we have our best looks on, on Sunday morning, don't we? We look good, we smile, and we look holy if nothing else. <laughs> the church has perfected itself in holy looking. But how many know that, that God is about what's in here? You know, like she was talking about that heart, what's, what's in here? That is the part the man of God want to work on. And so we talk about being transparent with one another. I want a church where we're transparent, where there's no fake, where everybody can come and sit down and talk. And I can say, brother, here's what I'm struggling with. And you don't look at me like I'm some kind of crazy nutcase. That you would say to me, okay, brother, we're going to get through this. We're going to lift you up. We're going to pray through this thing. We're going to get through it. And we're going to get up. We're going to go on in God. We're going to achieve great things for God. Let me know that's what we're talking about. The church got to be in the atmosphere of grace. It has to be an atmosphere of grace. In Luke chapter 15, I won't have you turn there, but Luke chapter 15. How many of you have read the story of the prodigal son? Prodigal son, right? You can read it in your spare time. But that story always amazes me. Because here you have two sons. One son says, Dad, he becomes of age. You know how teenagers are. Boy, they can't wait. My daughter tells me that all the time. She's going to get mad when she hears this. But she always, she, she can't wait until she get out of the house. I'm just sick and tired of you telling me to do all this stuff, this hard labor, washing them dishes, picking up trash off the floor, vacuuming. I'm getting sick and it's killing me. I can't wait till I get out of this house. Be my own woman. Be my own man. 
I can't wait till I get out of here. You know? Y'all know what I'm talking about, don't you? <laughs> here this young son was. This is, this is one of the young sons. He, he became of age. He said, Daddy, give me my money. Of course, Dad says, well, son, well, you know, well, I don't think I just need to be giving you this money because, you know, you, you need to stay put. You need to know how to invest it. You need to. He said, no, no, I want my inheritance. It's mine, right? Give it to me. Father said, okay, go ahead. Take it. Homeboy get out there. And boy, he parted. I mean, he go out, boy, he's on the dance floor. He's drinking his money up. He's on the, he's at the clubs. He's meeting girls. He's getting involved, taking strippers home. I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> he's getting involved in all kind of sexual immorality. Because the Bible says, if you go back and read it, because you guys say, well, Pastor, what are you talking about? The Bible says he spent his money with harlots. How many know what a harlot is? A whore, a prostitute. I mean, he was out there just living it up, partying, just, you know, it's, it's equivalent and he, and he gets to a point that he spent all his money up, right? Because, you know, he wanted, he thought he was grown. And I can handle this. He gets to a point that he loses everything, spend all of his money. He got nothing left. He got no family. How many know when you got money? People hang around you, but boy, when you lose it, they know how to, to abandon you real quick. Homeboy, listen, he is in a place now where he has nothing. It got so bad that he ends up in a pig pen eating the same food that the pigs were eating. That's the equivalent today to a person that, that's one minute, 10, 15 years ago, you remember this person, you think, man, they, they're going to make something out of themselves. They're doing well, and all of a sudden something happens. They get involved in something, some, something, something, and they start doing drugs, start doing crack. I remember I was listening to the story of a man who talked about how that he was got so bad doing his crack that he was sleeping in the doghouse because he had nowhere to sleep. It's kind of like the same picture here. This prodigal son had gotten to a place that he was about as low as you can go. Nobody wanted nothing to do with him. He was all by himself. And the light bulb came on. He looked up one day. He says, what in the world am I doing here? He says, you know what I'm going to do? He wised up a little bit. He says, I'm going back home to my daddy. I'm going to go back home to my daddy. So he heads back home, and the whole time he's rehearsing in his mind how he's going to explain to daddy how I just completely blew it. I mean, can you imagine the humility? I mean, he's thinking, I mean, this boy was so prideful, he had to be humbled. And sometimes God, you know, sometimes God got to humble you to get your attention. And God knows how to do that. He'll do what he has to do. And so he, he comes home, and his father, you would think his father would be like, you know, because he had an older brother who stayed there the whole time. The older brother, he could have took his inheritance. He said, no, I'm going to stay here and do just what my daddy said. Father sees the boy. He says, that's my boy. Now, he's thinking in his mind, oh, how am I going to explain this? Okay, Lord, I... I, I, Dad, I don't really deserve to be in your house. Just make me a servant. Because the man has servants. That means he has some money. I mean, you have servants. You got some moonat money. He had moonat money. He has servants. He said, just make me one of your hired servants. And he's trying to, he, and Dad talks, Dad says, Dad goes and give him a big hug and a get, big kiss. And he tries it. He, he said, Dad, Father, I, I sinned against you. Father said, no, no, I want to hear it. 
told his servants, go get the best robe and put it on him. Go get me the best robe. I want you to dress him up. Call the DJ. Call DJ, DJ Rock. Call him up. Tell him we're going to have a big party because my son was dead, but now he's alive. Put the best robe on it. Kill the fatty calf. Let's have a, well, but dad, what about all that? I don't want to hear all that. Son, you were dead, but you're home now. And Jesus always told parables to give us a glimpse of the heart of God. That that's how God looks at you. <laughs> he looks at me. That's the love of God. That doesn't matter what you've done. Some of us picture God this way. That God is up there like, you know, he's up there. And he got his big old heavenly pen, right? And he's up there. He's doing that. Right? Can't wait. Can't wait till God can just, you know, God's going to get me. God's going to just destroy me. God, I mean, I really crossed the line. You see, you can't cross the line with God when you come to him. He said, God so loved the world that what? Whosoever, whosoever believe in him will not perish. He says, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful, I'm just. I'll forgive you. Not only will I forgive you, watch this, this is the best part, but I'll cleanse you of all unrighteousness as if you never sinned before. Now, how many know that kind of love is the kind of love I want? That's the kind of love that will keep me coming back for more. And whenever the church deviates from that kind of love, then how many know that we lose our effectiveness out in the streets? What we're talking about, right? The love of God. We're doing all this because we, wanna, we don't want to talk about the love of God. We need to show our love. How many know that God showed his love? True love always demonstrates itself. You know, I can look at my wife all day long and tell her, honey, I love you. But she's going to look at me and say, cut the grass. You love me? Paint the house. Right? Come on. If you really love me, show me. Show me that you love me. Don't just talk me to death. God sent his son. So now God says, I'm going to show you how much I love you. I'm going to send the best thing I got to show you the depth of my love for you. Now, watch this. Here's the kicker. So now that you have experienced the love of God, you understand God's grace and love. One other thing, because I need to address this. You know the scripture that talks over in the Hebrews about how God chastened those that he loved? How many know that real love don't mean anything goes? Right? See, if my little son, well, my, well, my kids are old enough, and, but let's just say that if the little, what's uh, 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 Dre, let's say Dre see that hot stove. Let's just say this is a hot stove, and Dre is about to touch the hot stove. As a parent, what are you thinking when you see your child going toward the hot stove? And you better do what? You better get him before what? God chasing those that he loves. 
So what I do? God, you know, well, why can't I just go ahead and just do well, what, I, what, I, what I want to do? You know, it's God chasing. He disciplines those he loves so that we can be partakers of his holiness. So that we can experience the kind of life that we all want. I want to live a great life. I want to have a great marriage. I want to have great kids. I want to have plenty of money. Really? Then how many know that God wants that for you too? Right, do you hear me? God wants you to prosper. God wants you to be in good health. God wants Jesus that I came that you might have life and that you might have it abundantly to the full overflowing. God wants you to have all of that. But whenever we, whenever we step outside of the bounds of grace, so what God has for us, God, he comes like their father with their little child and says, nope, nope, can't do that. I can't let you touch that because if you touch that, then you'll hurt yourself. Oh, I can't let you. No, no, no. I can't let you sleep with that other woman. It's not your wife. I can't let you watch that pornography because it's going to affect your marriage. Hey, I can't let you cheat on your taxes. I can't let you do that. Because I love you too much because I know that it can land you in jail. How many know that God is not a killjoy? God is not, when God gives us restrictions, it's not so that God can just stand there and say, I want to make life hard for you. I want to come up with all the rules and regulations to really restrict you. God does not restrict us for the sake of restricting us, but because he loves us. See, isn't it good? You see, and I have a relationship with my kids. I just can't go through the neighborhood and spank every child that I see do something wrong because I don't have a relationship, right? I'll probably get locked up. And sometimes I've been really tempted, glory to God. Okay, y'all going But my own kids now, when I see them, guess what? <laughs> I can, come here. Tell my son Jeremiah, come here, son. What are you doing over there? And you know, he comes. You know why? Because he knows daddy loves him. I have a relationship. God has relationships. And God has invested in you. And that's his love. Finally, I'm going to read John chapter, and we're going to close with this verse. Because you all are starting to zone out on me. I'm trying to resuscitate you, but I'm, I, I, think I'm, I think I'm having a tough time. How are we doing, Sean, on time? 20 minutes? I mean, we've gone 10 minutes already? Are you laughing? Is something wrong? <laughs> Sean always said I get three pastors get three closings <laughs> but in John chapter gospel of John chapter 13 verse 34 to 35 and listen to this a new commandment this is Jesus talking to you um, by the way did anybody know what a commandment is this is not a difficult question Tell me you have to do commandments. It's, it goes beyond just kind of it goes beyond just kind of asking you if you will, right? Commandments kind of says do it. How many of you call Jesus your Lord? Come on, slip your hand up if He's your Lord. All right, all right. Now I'm, I'm a witness. Here we go. He says a new commandment that I give to you, and that you love one another. One another meaning those who are in the family. The person beside you, watch this, as I have loved you. So where's the standard? Not as this sister right here loves me, whether or not she treats me right. 
but I am to love her as Christ loves me. You get that? That's the standard. So then I ask, which begs the question, how does Christ love me? We just talked about it, didn't we? we? Unconditional? (laughs) Everlasting? Oh, I just love the Bible. I see y'all smiling. Y'all just so excited. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. Watch this now. He says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, listen to this. I want you to hear this. They're fine. They're having a good time. Now, I want you to hear this. Jesus says that we're to love one another as he loved us. So I think we all can kind of understand that we are commanded to love each other. I was talking last week with a lady who was struggling. She was having a difficult time with loving somebody who was in the body, who was a Christian. I'm just struggling with this. And I just kind of said, have no choice. It's a commandment. All of us can kind of wrap our arms around that concept. Okay, I'm supposed to love my brother and sister. And so if we are both Christians, we're supposed to love each other. Okay, I can understand that. Good, cool, cool. But now the folks at the job, those folks, I don't have to really love them too tough. In fact, the ones that, that, that are not Christians, I mean, they're my enemies. These folks are different. How many of you think that? If you did think that, you wouldn't tell me, would you? Oh, I, I got one. In it. Oh, oh. But see, I like that. You're being real. But I'm about to bust your bubble right here. Watch this. Here's the words of Jesus. Jesus said it this way. You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Uh-oh, uh-oh. But I say to you, love your enemies. Okay, Lord, could you just stop there? No, he goes a step further. Bless those who curse you. Oh, God, you're killing me. Bless those who curse me. Come on. Bless those who curse me. And watch this. Are you finished there? Lord says no. Watch this. Do good to those that hate you. Wow. And pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. That's deep. Because the world says totally different. You mistreat me, I mistreat you. If you're my enemy, you don't like me, I don't want to have nothing to do with you. I'm sorry, but God called you to a higher calling. The principle of God's love and the character of God's love is that we love the unlovely, even those who are not saved. Because remember, we're trying to reach those who are out there, right? They expect you not to love them if you don't care about them. They, they expect that because the world teaches them that. But boy, when you start, I mean, you start blessing folks that start talking about you, making life hard for you. And you know, and look, and you know they've been talking about you. In fact, you know they hate your guts. God says, I want you to go do good to them. I want you to bless them. In fact, I want you to, the ones that use you and take advantage of you, because some of you say, well, you know, Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. No, it doesn't matter what I know. God knows, and he says, love them anyway. Now, y'all look at me strange, but I'm going to tell you, I struggle with that sometimes. Can I be real? I struggle. Boy, when people... Do bad to me and do me wrong. How was the first thing you want to do? I got to get you back, dog. I ain't going to let you just walk over. I can't let you do that. 
No, bro, I can't, I can't do that. God says, no, I want you to bless them. I want you to pray for them. In fact, I want you to do real good to them. Every time they mistreat you, I want you to go and bless them. Oh, gosh. How many know that take faith? But here's the kind of love. This is God's love. Now, it's that kind of love that inspires not only you, but draws the people out there in here. When you walk in that kind of love, that's God's love, the originator of love. This is the way God loves us. That's why Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And they were yelling at him, cursing him. If you are really the son of God, get off the cross. Thank God he didn't get off. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. And they punched them. They spit on them. They beat them. They abused them. And what did the father do? Jesus stayed up on the cross and he died for them. How many know that's God's love? Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. No one is looking to the left. No one is looking to the right. This is a sacred moment. Maybe you've heard this word this morning. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Maybe you have never even given your life to Christ. I mean, you have a knowledge of God, but you really haven't surrendered to Christ and made him Lord. The Bible says it's appointed unto man to die, and after death, then comes the judgment. Christ died that you might have life and might have it abundantly. And you hear the Holy Spirit telling you that you need to surrender your life. God loves you with an everlasting love. He died for you. If that's you this morning, you know you need to get right with God. Because none of this really applies until we make up in our mind that we're going to receive his love and his grace. If that's you this morning, you say, Pastor, I desire prayer this morning. I want to surrender my life to Christ. If that's you. I want you to slip your head up and I'll pray with you.